Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. TJ Ralph executes a Blue Marlin strategy for off of South Florida. A total rebuild of a 28 Whitewater, Soft Head Lures, a gift for a gentleman, from a gentleman. All this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Well, thanks for tuning into The Real Guy Podcast. Today, I sit next to the two guys of the three guys that I know. That actually tried to get a blue marlin and did get a blue marlin this year. I got TJ Ralph with me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming into Lunker Dog Studios. And then the world's favorite, Captain Norm. Hey, man. It's good to be in such uh, distinguished company. Well, Norm, now, this whole podcast thing is becoming like, I don't know, it's almost like Christmas. And this is what I mean. TJ, the last time he was in here, he brings me a bottle of scotch. Last week, you come in with a Monte Cristo. Right. Nice cigar. Yep. And today, TJ's back in, and he brought both you and I a purple, black, and silver. Yeah. Soft head. Soft head, wide range, no, Bobby these are, Brown. These are Bob, uh, Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown, not a wide range. Yeah. TJ, thanks for the lure. Hey, hey man. No that, problem, guys. This is awesome. Really, seriously, thank you. I mean, that's yeah. real guy stuff. I'm right sure there. we'll get into it at some point, but that's what... That's, that's what we caught them on. That's the lure you got your big fish on this, was it two weeks ago? Uh, mm, about two weeks yeah. ago now. Week two, and a half, two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, something, something like that. So Norm and I, uh, we've always had a strong conviction about the marlin fishing out here. And we've been talking about it. And we did it when we were kids. And then mm-hmm. I'd like to think that we were able to get a spark out of a few people. I think so. I think so. I mean, I, I, I think, I, I think, uh, I, well, the spark is going to continue and I'll tell you, I'll get to that in just a little bit, but yeah, I think, uh, we've opened some guys eyes like, you know, TJ here. Well, I mean, TJ was up for it back when we, you know, kind of said, well, wait, you know what? We need to go back to this and take a look at it. So he didn't just come by it, you know, this year. I mean, he's, he, it's been on his radar for a while. Well, TJ's gone through a lot of shit since the last time he was on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, he built the boat, got his boat going. Well, what boat? What, what, talk uh, about I, the boat. So, my, my friend uh, happens to own a shop up, up there in Pompano Beach, Marine Maintenance Managers. And uh, after I talked to Jeff, actually, I think it was the day we all went marlin fishing mm-hmm. um, back 2000. I think it was 20. Or something, it? 2020, 21. Yeah. Was that really three years ago already? It might have been it was close yeah, to during it. COVID. Yeah. Wow. I think you're right. I think it was during COVID. Something, give or take. But we yeah. were talking about boats because I had an old 23 Seabird, which, great boat. And uh, I think Jeff mentioned, you know, 28 Whitewater is, is a real nice boat. So I, was, you know, started doing my research and looking around. And 
like I can't, you know, afford that kind of boat. Like they're, you know, they're a little expensive. And I reached out well, to my. You, you were looking new at first. I was just looking. Okay. Used, new, the used market. I mean, you might as well like some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of what you're looking at, you might as well get new because right. these guys want two hundred thousand dollars for the boat that costs two twenty new, but. Wait right. list, the wait list and all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get to charge what they want because they're you don't have to wait. But long story short, I called up my buddy Mike over at at Marine Maintenance Managers because they're full, you know, service, build boats, fiberglass, paint, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, hey man, I'm uh, I'm starting to look for possibly another boat, you know, something twenty seven to thirty two because. I wanted to, you know, include a conch because he comes across all this stuff. So it's like, wanted to make sure I include a conch and, you know, Ocean Master. I I like those boats, but I'm on a trailer. So it's, it's a big wide boat to be dragging down Federal Highway. Right. And, uh, just stupid, dumb luck. He's like, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, nothing. I'm hanging out at the house. He goes, come over to my house. He goes, I'm going, you know, I'm over here getting lunch right now. He goes, I got something to show you in the backyard go over to his house he's got a 28 whitewater hole brand nice. new stringers nice. and transom that he was saving for himself sitting in the backyard mm-hmm. and he we talked about it whatever and cut a deal and he's like if it's to you you know so we can, you, we can so he had the whitewater and it was already redone or it was no it's just ready to be redone. it was bare hole he just put stringers and a transom on it okay, okay. so there was no floor the cap wasn't on it Okay, sorry. On a, so we're talking about a shell. Yeah, it's yeah. just a okay. bear shell. Bear hull. Yep, no tanks, yep. nothing. Okay. And, uh, you know, we, I was like, I want to do it. So we, you know, went back and forth a little bit and finally came to, like, finished product. It would cost about X, X amount of dollars and went for it. So, you know, I was there for, for the whole process of mm-hmm. I got to pick where... You know where I wanted the live wells in the floor, where oh, I wanted nice. the storage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fuel tanks. I got to lay out the bilge. Like I mean, it you got to well, custom build. The might, most, yeah, might as well have been a yeah. a brand new boat that you right. know going to a manufacturer that's going to let you customize stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they gave that all to me, and you know at a you know awesome price. They still maintained my boat, and uh, they went above and beyond. And now, did you go with an inboard or an outboard? Uh, I went with a bracket and two outboard, two, okay. two 200 Suzuki's. Okay. All right. And then, you know, they send it off to a welder, which, uh, ROC down in Miami, they do a lot of like amazing pipe work. So it was funny. I, I mean, I literally drew my tower on a piece of paper, like rod holders everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a stand through. So you're on the console cause I'm on the trailer. So I right. don't have to fold the thing down every time, right, right. fold it back up. And uh, I drew this crazy thing, and I dropped it off to him. They're like, yeah, we can do that. And I'm like, uh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, and then, you know, they get close to the end. They're welding all the rod holders on, and they call me, and they're like, hey, TJ, uh, we got a problem. You know, you got, I, I don't remember how many are even on the thing, but he's like, you got 30 rod holders on this, <laughs> on this T-top. Holy Moses. He goes, uh, we can only fit 28. Damn. And I'm like, okay. Forget no. it. I'm like, okay. Scratch no. it. Yeah. I'm like, okay. No, no problem, man. You know, like. <laughs> 28 rattles. Like, 28. He's like, and he's like, oh, well, what? And I'm like, no, nah, it's good. And he's like, well, I'm, like people down here, I guess, usually. I don't even think I own stuff. 28 rods. 
you know. I was going. I was going. Do you have twenty eight combos? Uh, more. You got more than twenty eight combos. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's a tackle whore. Yeah, nice. it's bad. Nice. Well, then I then I condone the whole uh, twenty eight rod holder thing. Well, so kind of how the the t top came about. But. but how many cup holders did you end up with? That's what we want to know. Uh, <laughs> I think I got. I got two on the back of the T-top, and I got two of those clamp ones. That That's all you need. So I got right there. Six. See that? We're not talking about a $2 million HCB. Right. Okay. We're not talking about a $2 million HCB. We're talking about basically a... This is how real guys build boats. Okay. They take something that they find. They get a good deal. They get some boys. They, get a, they put together a network of guys that they know, and they put the boat together. And the boat is probably more fishy and more fishable than, you know, a $2 million HCB off the rack. All right. So the HCB off the rack has more rod holders? No, it has more cup holders. More cup holders. It has more cup holders. Standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it may have more bean bags. How many bean bags did you get? uh, I have three. Three. Okay. So that's a lot of bean bag. That's a lot of bean bag. But (laughs) he's got good bean bag game. Uh, but I think it's a nice balance between 28 rod holders, f- what four cup holders, and, and three bean and, bags, and three bean bags. That's 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 South Florida right there. That's how you build a boat in South Florida. Yeah, and we're talking about rod holders just just on the actual t top. Right, that's not oh, counting that's the one not, on the gunnels. Yeah, no, right, I'm so a t topper. So what do you got in the what, what do you got in the gunnels? Well, you're from Pompano, aren't you? Yeah. So it's a, it's yeah. It's a, you guys talked about it. it's a status thing. <laughs> All right. You know? so, so like the more rod holders you got in the gunnel when you pull up to get fuel in the morning, okay. people look at you and they go, "Oh man, that guy must know what he's doing." He's got, so you got to hang. He's got yeah you know, yeah, yeah yeah. So I can't have like five. No no no, that's but, no good. So, like I do. So yeah, I t- have five. <laughs> it's set up. The boat's set up to do. You know, I set it up to troll because you guys introduced me to marlin fishing, so I made sure that I had the rod holders where I needed them to troll a real spread. Okay. And then I have, you know, all the, the other rod holders, you know, I have a group of three in the front for, for the kites. I got a group of three in the back for the rear kites. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. obviously that's mm-hmm. mirrored on the other side. Yeah. And then I got, you know, swivels in the front, swivels in the back midship. So it's like, if you want to fish a rod on the boat, you can fish a rod on the boat, but it's a little, oh, yeah. it's a, all right. So what about, lot. now what about your live well game? So I just set that up. It's got a uh, 80 gallon in the front floor. Whew. It's got roughly 100 in the rear floor, and then it's got a 50 gallon on the leaning post. Yo, so how many? Do the math on that. How many Yo. gallons all together? Eight, 80, 80, and 40 80, and 50. 80, 100, so 180 and 180. 50. 230. 230. 230 gallons, gallons. Of, of live wells. And how does the boat ride? Amazing. Okay. But, yeah. I like. I usually leave that front well full. Really? Just, yeah, because depending on the load on the boat and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's just like all the contenders and the CV, the smaller ones where the, the all the weights in the back. Right. So it, the bow likes to come up. Right. Because right. they they run you know like that boat cruise is probably thirty four knots or something. Insane. That's crazy. Cruise. That's crazy. I got eighteen and a half yesterday. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Norm and I both have, you know, the similar cruising yeah. speeds on our boats. We're doing like, you know. Now, let's, let's go back to, I want to get back to Pompano a little bit. <laughs> so, is it known, like, is it known to all you guys, all you T-toppers in Pompano, that you guys are fishing out of the T-top castle, capital of the world? I don't think it's known to everybody, but I've listened to you guys for long enough, so I've been enlightened. I think it's out there. 
Yeah, I've been enlightened on the T-top situation that's going on in, in North Broward County there. Right. Well, because well, I haven't heard, there's not hasn't been a lot of debate about that. Like well, normally because I don't think it's debatable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, normally kinda... when I say something, it's usually fairly debatable. Yeah. But I think no. labeling Pompano as the T-top capital of the world was spot on. Just Very right. much undebatable. Just the way it is. And, yep. and, and acceptable. And Grundens. Grundens. Did oh, you, yeah, you yeah. have a pair of Grundens on the of boat? Course. They're in the boat. <laughs> See? I sport my Grundens on the boat. I was going to say. You... I keep my Grundens on the boat. See, now Norm, if he lived in Pompano, which he doesn't, he would be like a glorified T-topper. No, I wouldn't. Kind of. I would be an amateur. No, I only have five rod holders in the T-top. Yeah, but you got a classic boat with a diesel, but you're still a T-top. Yeah, but there's, you know what though? I, 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 I think I'd kind of fade into the background in Pompano because there's so many beautiful boats in Pompano, so many gorgeous boats. I mean, you got yeah. Merit. It's the home of Merits. Right, okay. So, so, I mean, so I'm fishing intercoastal the other day, the I, other night. I, yeah, I look I'm real sorry about that. But like, I'm always looking at Merritt. You know, because I put it in at 14th. So yeah. every time I'm oh, there, yeah, you see it. Yeah, everything's right there. Like Alan Jackson's boat sitting on the, you know, getting yeah. service. He just got Buffett's a new one. Boat. Yeah, he just had a new one built. Yeah, it's in, it's, it's like a 58. Yeah, I think it's smaller than, bigger than the front deck on my boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Timmy and I are fishing in the inter, inter, intercoastal the other night. And we run north to Pompano. Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm not holding my nose up or anything, but there's a big difference between coming out of the Middle River and coming out of Lake Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm down there and I'm fishing and everything, I kind of feel like it's a major step down. <laughs> <laughs> when I go when I go south. I feel that way when I get to Hollywood and Hallandale, but then you get into Golden Beach and you're yeah. like, ah, right. you know, and it's a little bit more metro. But when I go north down the intercoastal, I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm really kind of schlepping it. Yeah, and I'm glad well, that's kind of how I feel. And I'm, I'm glad it's at night because I don't want people seeing. You don't want to. You want to just fly under the radar. I want to get in, get to out. Pompano, do yep. what I got to do, and get out. Yeah. Now, are you saying that you're kind of ashamed to be fishing in Pompano? I mean, is that you know, something that's, you know, in the back of your mind that, man, you know, I hope nobody sees me here I mean, while I, we're talking about it on the podcast. I mean, I wouldn't exactly <laughs> want to call it, like, ashamed, but I, I find myself... It's my, like a guilty pleasure. I find myself falling, falling into that camp, like, when people look down their nose at my ugly sticks. <laughs> like, I'm doing the same shit when I get to Pompano. Let me tell you something. If anybody's looking down their nose at an ugly stick, you got, you got serious problems. There's, people got serious problems out there, Norm. You know, I came this close, I came this close to getting a set of ugly stick spinners for my boat when I first bought it. Because right. that it was charter, you know, for charter fishing. I was this close. And then I met you and Sean and you guys gave me a great deal on on lunker dogs. So That's I right. got a full You're, set of lunker dogs. Well, you got all the lunker dogs. I got most of them, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I used to fish all of them sticks back you know when yeah. they were, when they were affordable and then they slowly went up you know they're still more affordable than you know a lot of the other stuff but they slowly started creeping and then i, I went over to star rod while they still had their mm -hmm. you know warranty that they were broke you change it out and that's gone now too so now you got a whatever 130 dollar rod that no warranty on it anymore yeah but well, well the whole ugly stick thing is going to shit anyway yeah why why do you say that 
I broke a fucking ugly stick. Yeah. It's what? Wait, hold on. Whoa, 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 stop. I'm 54 years old. I've had ugly sticks since I can remember. Never have I heard about somebody breaking an ugly stick. Never have I broken an ugly How stick. How did you do I've that? I've broken everything. I've seen them put them in trash compactors. Alright. You remember that ad? I do. I do. The wife gets upset. She throws his ugly stick in the trash compactor. And this is And what, walks away and he just takes it out and goes fishing. And this is what I'm talking about. Things have gone to shit. In this world, how did I want to know how you broke an ugly stick? I don't even know how I broke it. I look over and the tip of the ugly stick is broken. Now, this is a new ugly stick. What kind of world do we live in? Exactly my point. My kid's graduating high school next year. She's graduating high school in the time where it's acceptable for an ugly stick to be broken. No, it's not acceptable acceptable at any time. (laughs) Right. And that's my point. It's like. It's like not being able to find Michelob beer. Oh, we got a lot of we got a lot of emails and, uh, <laughs> I and <heard> messages, <laughs> dude. That struck a chord. The beer thing did it. Well, you just the don't. Get, fire I, I don't want to re. I don't want to rehash it. But I, I don't understand how you just. Uh, all right. So even more important than the fact that you broke one, which is unheard of. What did they do about it? Did they stand behind their product like they always have, or at least they say they have? Well, we're going to find out because I haven't brought it back, but it was a Bass Pro Shop purchase. Oh, you're fucked. <laughs> no, you're not fucked at Bass Pro Shop. You can do anything and bring it back there. You can? Kind of. I don't think I've ever... Oh, I know a guy okay. that brought back a used cast net, and they took it. Really? But anyway, Bass Pro Shop they is very similar to the... Was. Bass Pro Shop's very similar to the ugly stick thing. Okay, well... Like, it's totally acceptable to roll into Bass Pro Shop and blow your load in there. I'm not... Dude, I... If I do go to Bass Pro Shop, I go, like, once every 24 months. I accumulate, like, a half a dozen of those gift cards. I just got one for my birthday this week. The kid gave me one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And then I I go into Bass Pro Shop with my gift cards and everything. Yeah. But anyway, I broke a fucking ugly stick. TJ, how old are you? I'm 30, 30 years old. 30 years old. You're growing up in an era where there's fucking broken ugly sticks, dude. And no Michelob. Yeah. And no Michelob. On the East Coast. How can you do that? Huh? Were you a Dude, how do you deal you... with that kind of at, uh, adversity in life? <laughs> I don't know. You just wake up and you got to keep going sometimes. Just that's tough. it. Yeah. All right. So tell us about that Blue Marlin. Tell us about your spread. Let's let's, oh. let's hear the story. Hold on. I want to hold on. I want to go back. Uh, oh, you want to, we're not done? Well, I... All right, so I was thinking about this way this whole thing came about, right? Okay. So TJ has enough gumption to go with us to pull spread around. Right. So TJ, after the day we went and pulled the spread around, Mm -hmm. was this like a thing in your head where like, I'm going to Did it open your eyes to I'm going to catch a a blue marlin out here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that I was going to try to do it before that. Which is why I reached out to you in the first place, and then we all went fishing yeah. and all that. Because I've seen them, I've seen them out there. I'm not fishing. For, I wasn't fishing for them. Mm-hmm. You know, be out there dolphin fishing, and all of a sudden there's a hole blown in the water. You know, two, three hundred yards off the bow of the boat, there's dolphin getting thrown around like they're flying fish, and a, you know, big blue silver thing coming up out of the middle. I mean, it's like one of those guy Harvey shirts. Yeah. Well, before you went with Norm and I. Did you think that it was a bigger deal than it actually is? A hundred percent. 
I think I think a lot of people get caught up in that because they're thinking, man, I gotta have, I gotta re gear up, I gotta do all this stuff to go get my blue marlin, and I think people think that it's a lot bigger deal than it actually is. Yeah, the difference. I mean, as far as gearing, it's like, all right, are you leaving the dock to go kite fishing, or you leaving the dock to go trolling? That's the difference. To some degree, yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. I mean, there's some other differences. You're gonna go marlin fishing, like. You're not don't, be don't, fish, don't fish your 40 pound dolphin leader. No, right. Like, that's not going to turn yeah. out well. But, you know, if you're putting trolling stuff on the boat, you're 90% of the way there. Yeah. Right. Bef exactly. Before talking, you know, talking about it and asking yep. questions. And it's a 10% adjustment. That's all it is. It's about it. All right. So let's take it from there. Your 10% adjustment, because you were, it wasn't like you weren't familiar to trolling. Right. I'm, so bring the audience through what your 10% adjustment was. The. 10% adjustment is sit, scale your leaders up, troll mm -hmm. a little bit bigger bigger of a bait, mm -hmm. and put out some teasers or a dredge. That's called stepping up your game. And that's it. I mean, I'm pulling two because I, I just can't half do something. So I'm just all in on it. But with two, I can't go fishing with less than like three people. You know, if I was right, pulling right. one, if yeah. I was pulling one, you know, my, my girlfriend and I fish all the time best friend so it's like it's awesome because she's into it probably more than you know fishing in general more than i am so it works out that i always got two. Oh, that's a slam so dunk. then you know it's my dad or yeah who, one of my buddies or whoever else we got the third and we're, we're good to go but i mean you can go out there with one dredge two rods you're not even a dredge pull pull a, a squid chain or a teaser yep and two rods and you're right, yep. fishing and you can do it out of a small skiff yeah. I mean, Jay Edwards was the third person yep. that was in our network mm -hmm. that got a fish this he summer. Got one. And his boat's tiny. That was like a, what, a 20 foot dusky. Yeah. That was like yeah. a, the same day as me or I right think it was like Same couple for days. I think it was, it was right there in that same weekend. So, yeah. I don't want to get too off, but on that topic. So, we when I hooked my fish, I believe we were four or five days after the moon. What yeah. you, your guys thought on on that? Um, I mean, I'm not not a live or die, but I think there's certain places where the moon phase definitely affects the marlin fishing. I mean, it, I think it's definitely uh, definitely something in the Caribbean, St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. uh, here, I think it's more of a function of bait and the availability of bait. I, I think uh, when those little mahis are here, mm -hmm. uh, I think that's I think that's 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 prime time. So whenever they start really showing up, now some guys will swear by the moon here, and some guys will swear, oh, you got you got to go before and after the moon in May and June. You know, I I think it's more of a function of bait yeah. here. And I'm asking you know for myself to learn as well as anybody that that's listening to this because just information you know so yeah. But it's something that I noticed. I, I wrote everything down because okay, I want to I want to keep I keep track of. Things like this. Yes, good. So, so that so you got a you got a thing that you keep a journal log. log. Oh, I got a, a couple of different versions of it, but yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. See, See I got no smart. journal. No, I don't remember shit. It's more for. It's not for you know. It's not for uh, whatever. I caught five kingfish today, and the tides, and the moon, and the wind, and blah blah blah. It's it's for you know, like I was trying to dial in my you know wahoo fishing. Started writing stuff down. Mm -hmm. Found patterns. Right. I don't write stuff down anymore for that. 
you got you know i understand it develop, i know you got I'm, the pattern down. i know what i'm looking for right this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and tecovis is your stop for the best in western style tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more all Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm not a professional marlin fisherman by any means. I went out there, did you know, followed your guys' guidance and and all that, and uh, you know, I got one. So I made sure I wrote it down. Just makes me feel great. So the next time I go out there and I get one, because I will get another one, I'm gonna write that down, and then hopefully, over time, I'll see whatever pattern is there or what pattern I have, and then I won't write it down anymore. But. No. Well, I, I I think you should for for one reason, and 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 I'm, I'm I, I may sound hypocritical because I don't ke- uh, keep a log, um, but suffice it to say, you're a lot younger than we are, okay? And I think one of the things that's that you'll find that you'll thank yourself for later is keeping these logs so you can see down the road what you did five, six, seven, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And see how the fishery has changed over time, and I think over if if you don't look at it from sort of a short term perspective, but see it see look at it long term, mm-hmm. long down the road, play the long game with this. Right. I think you'll find not only will you come to understand the fishery better, uh, but you'll understand the changes in uh, year after year what what's what's happened in the fishery. Right. Okay, like for example, I I would have told you if you had asked me 15, 20 years ago, uh, when the best time to go dolphin fishing is, for example. Okay, I would have told you April, May, and June, and now it's really September, October, uh, uh, m- mostly September and October. Yeah, it's pushing later and later. It's, it's it used pushing to be, later and later. It used to be summertime That's for whatever the reason. And that could change completely next year, but I've noticed the pattern over the last five years or so that they start showing up later and later. And I don't know what that function is. I'm not. That's that's past my day. Yeah, I don't try to figure it out either. No. All right. So uh, I talked to you two guys about this. I've talked to quite a few other dudes about this, but probably the only dude that I talked to about this that actually holds any weight would have been Skip. Yeah. Skip Smith. And Skip's theory is it's a wintertime thing. My theory is it's a summertime thing. <laughs> now, yeah. you know what I mean? So, to answer your question, whether I think it's a moon phase or not, mm-hmm. I don't think that has a lot to do with it. What I think has a lot to do with it is a small mahi. 
I think mm -hmm. that's one of the few things that we can say out here. When the small mahari you around, that's your chances of getting a blue marlin go up dramatically. Yes. So I think you got that. And then moon phase and tides and all that, I don't know really how all that shit works. But what I do know is things get fishy and then things get unfishy. Last week, for whatever reason, things were unfishy. Very unfishy. They were very unfishy this week. The week before yeah. that, things were fishy. Yeah. I could I was catching tarpon and snooks and mm -hmm. jacks and going through, you know, two dozen baits a trip, blah, blah, blah. The yeah. very next week, things aren't fishy anymore. <clears throat> yeah. The ocean is totally fucked up. You're never going to figure it out. No. You will go crazy trying to figure yeah. it out. But you can figure out a, a, a particular spot or area. Going out of Lighthouse Point, if you're doing it over and over again, I'm sure you can develop a decent rhythm. Yeah. I can't develop a decent rhythm simply because I'm doing too many tarpon trips. Well, so I go when I can yeah, and keep right. my fingers crossed. And, and, and you know, I've, I've found uh, there's some guys, and I think we've talked about this on some other podcasts, and Skip even referred to it, too, uh, talking about fishing the sword grounds for Blue Marlin. And, uh, you know, where I fished yesterday is where you caught your fish. Right. Okay. And I caught my fish not too far away from that. Actually, no, I was north of you. Okay. Um, you you were off the double diamonds, correct? In uh, out in Miami, um, and I'm not sharing. I, you know, listen, I'm not sharing secrets here because this is something we want everybody to be able to do, and we want to spread this word. We want to tell people, hey, there's places yeah. where you can go and catch these fish. I mean, hell, I sent you guys the coordinate. I mean, right? I'll, I'll give it, if anybody asks, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Like, it's it, that fish isn't there right now. <clears throat> no, but, he's not. But there's there's a the, reason why he those, went there. Those marlin are in that area for a reason. Right. right. So if you go and work that area, it's not a spot. And that's and that's what I was just about to get to, okay? And that is, is that for some reason I really like the Hollywood Hills. And I especially like the the western side of the Hollywood Hills. Uh, because if you go straight out of Hallover, just north of the inlet, if you look at your chart plotter, it goes from 650 feet down to 950, and then east of 950, it comes back up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's like a trench there, and if you look at it, it reminds me of a less pronounced pocket from uh, the Chub K pocket. It looks that the geographical features of the bottom are very similar to the pocket in Chub K. And that's where, when we fished, all three of us fished, that's where we caught those dolphin. Yep. Okay, I caught my blue marlin here uh, at that spot, a little bit further east, okay, on okay. the other side of it. But that's where I, that's where I like to run down to and, and, and fish. And, you know, for whatever the reason, that, that whole area, that pocket in there is really super fishy. And you're fishing out... You're usually what you go out to the fifties, or you're you're out in the four. The high oh, I'll 40s. start at the double zeros. Gotcha. I'll start at the double zeros because that the nice part about that right. is most of that is on the is is on the inside of the double zeros. It's like the L one o two. It's really close to the beach. You got right. very deep water right, right. there. Right. Quit quit using the coordinates. Well, thing. we're talking past the audience. Well, it's not like past the audience. It's about three miles offshore, uh, just north of of uh, Hollow Inlet. Okay, there you go. 
All right. Three miles offshore, north of Hull of Ram. Yep. Yep. Double zeros. The doubles. Well, the double zeros is actually outside of that, but it's really the 0102. But nevertheless, um, that's that that area has produced quite a bit of fish for me in the past, and so I really like uh, I really like going down there. Now, a lot of guys out of Port Everglades will go straight out. Mm-hmm. Okay, until they reach 1,100 feet of water. All right, uh, and that's you got to go a lot further. Uh, you got to run a lot south. further than you have to run down south. So I'd rather run, you know, five, six, seven miles down south rather than run 19 miles straight out east. Yeah, and yeah. I think you got better. I think there's better. Uh, I think that I, I, th- I think it's a better bottom feature there. Yeah, because I like, I come out of Hillsboro most most of the time. It's just the closest ramp to mm-hmm. the house, and uh, if I'm going trolling, I usually just head south. Uh, two reasons for that: I like like the bottom down there. Yeah, you know, the, you can see on a flat day, you can see the water moving in in certain areas, and it, it's moving a little different. Whether mm-hmm. it's you know, in my head, it's up up wellings and different eddies spinning off of because no the Gulf Stream's flowing off of the bottom. Mm-hmm. But you can see, and then the weeds will group up in certain places, right. and, and you kind of like stuff's changing in this area, and yep. um, it holds a lot of bait. And that's one thing I noticed the day I caught that fish is, you know, we were in a in a pocket of colder, a little bit colder water. Like I'm talking like half a degree than what I was seeing the rest of the day on my machine. Right. Which again, <clears throat> I'm just telling you. So there's probably are, some sort of little upwelling I, there or something. That's my guess. You know, in in that general area. I had the same conditions yesterday, same exact conditions yesterday, and that's the only place I found fish yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so and then the second reason I run south is currents going north, right. so I can fish south as long as I want. And then when I decide to come home, double you know your double speed home. So. Yeah. Now my all my boats has been slow as piss, <laughs> so I basically have to run south whether I'm sword fishing or marlin fishing or mahi fishing because I don't have the uh, I don't have the juice to make a decision like okay i'm gonna fish off of palm beach this today or i'm gonna fish off fowey today i pretty much can only go like 10 15 miles from the port yeah but you know let me tell you something uh one of my mentors was a guy named andy anderson and uh, andy was on the boat when sam jennings caught his 1050 pound blue marlin in bimini the first grander caught in the bahamas uh, during the night, I think it was the 1980, it was a 1980 tournament. I don't remember. It was the first Bert, Bertram Hatter. No, it wasn't a Bertram Hatter, Hatter shootout. It was one of the BBC tournaments. Anyway, they won the tournament. And Andy told me that, uh, a lot of times you don't need the fastest boat if you know where you're going. Definitely don't need the fastest boat. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. You don't need the fastest boat, you know, as I, long as you know where you're going. I've pretty much been consistent on having the slowest boat in pretty much any fleet I've ever been in. Oh, no, even, I got Even tarpon. I got to beat. I got to beat. My boat, I had to rewheel my boat. Right. And uh, I, it was overwheeled at one point, and then now it's grossly underwheeled. Uh, so instead of getting a 21 knot cruise, I'm getting like 18 and a half knots, but here's the deal. The engine runs better. It runs cooler. Uh, and it raised that fish. Right. I think there's something to that, you know? Well, 
all my boats cruised the same. The Maritime cruised at 18. The Bertrams cruised at 18. And the Zerdog cruised at 18. You're stuck at 18. Hey, dude. Uh, well, yeah. you know, it's, like, it's not like I'm one of these Pompano guys that can run yeah. around at 40. Yeah. Well, listen. My my boat is faster than both of your guys' boats. Oh, yeah. But it, by no means is it fast because I could have put 300s on that thing and it would have took it. Now, what, what, what do you have on it? I have twin 200s. In, in 27 feet? Uh, it's a 28, yeah. 28 feet? That's See, fine. Now, no, no, it's, it's more than it's an, fine. It's, it's plenty. And dude, I tried to, tell, I tried to talk fine. him into doing a single. I, yeah, I couldn't. I tried to talk. Like, dude, I almost did. I was like, do a single. It'd be, it'd be way less expensive. Yeah, it'd but now we have a boat fuel. to run over to Bimini on. That's the exact reason I went with two. All right, I explained this to TJ. He had to get his double engines and all the fancy stuff and his 24 rod holders on his thing and all that. 28. I don't even I'll count them and let you guys know. It's <laughs> it probably more than that. Dude, we, next time we go fishing, that'll, that'll be my pastime. I'll just count rod holders. But <laughs> <laughs> the point I'm making is I was trying to get him to go super crazy efficient. Right. With the charter, simple. The charter thing yeah. in mind, and then also, Norm. In today's day and age, the tow company will get you at 150 miles away. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. So even if we were in Treasure Key, we'd only have to get towed down to Joe's Marina in order to be in range for the sea tow. And these engines are hard to break. Commercially, are you commercially registered? Yeah then you, you don't qualify for commercial towing insurance. They won't do it. They'll screw you. Yeah, no, you're screwed. That's I'm screwed. Nah. So if, if, I, if, I, if I break down, i got to call somebody. I can't, I can't call CTO because they'll charge me $2,500. But yeah. yeah, the reason at the end of the day we went you know, with the two motors is I was going to do a single, a single 350, which would push that boat, you know, would push it fine. Right. But... Uh, the two is nice and, you know, just for that dependability. And, and you, the want, guy, and you the want guy, to. The guy, Mike, over at the shop, you know, he's my buddy. So I'm not, you know. but Did, he, You wanted two engines. I wanted two. It's your boat. He, so no, he, he's the one that talked me into two. But he showed me the, the price difference between service and the 350 that I was looking at, the Suzuki, mm -hmm. and, the, and the twin 200s. And it was like 150 bucks or something. Okay. Well, basically, it's basically so the makes, difference that, in that, the, that was that was your decision. That's what made you decide then, right then and there. Was the service? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because at the end of the, like, one hundred and fifty bucks isn't going to break. Basically, it's the yeah. you know the lower unit and the engine oil, but the engine it's not even that much more than the single, because um, the single is such a bigger motor. These are little inline fours. And right. and you know that's the thing that that most people when they buy boats they don't it doesn't compute with them and i think it's one of the reasons why so many people buy boats and then sell boats very quickly is they don't really their thought process into how much it's going to take to own the boat uh yeah. is is it doesn't it doesn't factor into it and so when you go into it thinking like all right it's going to cost me this much to keep the boat you know which is why like you know, we've we've talked about this before, and even on the podcast with other guys. You know, guys are just you know. There's a lot of guys that are out there, and they're buying these you know these super high performance engines, without any thought to how much it's going to cost them to own that engine. Right. Okay. And you know, it's it's kind of one of those reasons why I like a single inboard diesel. Mm -hmm. You know, for the same reason you chose 
really, in a lot of ways, uh, it fits your budget. Yeah, I mean, either yeah, either one would have fit in, but the you know the main reason with the two hundred was, was the the efficiency because I'm getting like I mean it's it's a gas so it's you know it's not a diesel right. diesel engine I'm getting like one one point eight one point nine at at thirty two. That's not bad. You know that's not bad. All right, that's so, not bad. So you got the boat now. Yep. You did your thing. You got your blue marlin. I want to know if you feel different. <laughs> Now that you got your blue marlin, than you did before you got your blue marlin. Um, as far as how I feel, it's more uh, go do it again. I mean, that's that's how I feel about it. You know, I see. I feel vindicated. You, you guys like you told me. You told me it could be done. I've seen them. I know yeah. it can be done. Norm caught one a month. You know, or a couple weeks before before I got my shot, and uh, I knew it was a matter of time. And that's what you guys kept telling me is put your time in and once I got them you know I mean don't get me wrong it was I, the happiest I've ever been to catch a fish you and know in my life but it was uh I'll tell you I feel I feel vindicated because I've been talking about it for two or three years and every time somebody every time I mentioned it to somebody they kind of looked at me and snickered mm-hmm. or kind of laughed under their breath like, oh, yeah, you're going to, you know, and meanwhile, we're going to go dolphin fishing today. You know, oh, I caught 20 dolphin today. What would you catch? Nothing. Yeah. You know, I, I but I was see, pulling a different spread. I can see I that doing for something sure. Different. So anyway, TJ, getting back to, uh, do you feel different now that you got the blue marlin as before you got the blue marlin? Like, has it changed the way your outlook is on the way you fish? On in that aspect, yeah, 100%. Like I'm not going out there and dolphin fishing. That's what I, that's what I told Shelby as soon as as soon as we caught the thing. So you feel like you're on another level now. Yeah. Well, you know why? Because you're on another level now, TJ. You when you go out there and you specifically target a blue marlin, and then you do what you set out to do, you put yourself on a new level. Congratulations. Yeah. And you know, let Thank me you tell guys. you something. There's not a lot of guys doing that right now. Okay. There's not a lot of guys that are sticking their necks out there saying, "Hey, I'm going to go do something different. I'm going to I'm going to step it up. I'm going to step up my game." Okay? And right now there's so many guys that are in South Florida that are just dialed into fishing a certain way all the time that it doesn't occur to them that there's something else out there. And so when guys like us come along and we say, "You know what? Um I'm not going to go dolphin fishing today because I don't need that instant gratification and I'm not going to be that brand of soft. Right. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to commit to a process of doing something that very few other people are doing right here. You go to the Bahamas and they're doing it. You go to St. Thomas, they're doing it certain times of the year in the keys when there's tournaments, they're doing it. But they're not doing it in South Florida. There's very few, very few guys. Yeah. It's it's almost I, like an under under what what what's but it's the way the whole culture is going. Right, people it's a cultural just, thing. It people just constantly want to lower the bar and then turn around and brag about how it's okay to lower the bar. Dude, not really. I just want to go out and get a few bonitas and maybe a blackfin. And you look at them and you're like, quit lowering the bar, you yeah. bastard, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I was always brought up 
to think that you never lower the bar. You no. always raise the bar. Right. And then if you are lowering the bar, it's an exception. Or, you know, it's like, like I said, you know, the fun fish division in all the tournaments is now the mainstream way to fish. Because when we were younger, even younger than you, our fathers, we fished with our fathers, and we didn't go dolphin fishing. We didn't go king fishing. <laughs> Wahoos were a rare and incidental catch. And uh, now, you know, it, it's like that's how everybody fishes. But most of the, you know, we had billfish tournaments. Right. Okay. We didn't have, we didn't have dolphin tournaments. There was no such thing as a dolphin tournament before, what, 1995? I don't know. But you know, you know, TJ's one of the luckiest dudes that we know because Shelby, his wife, is into the sport fishing oh, thing. Oh, man. And I think she got as tickled out of raising the bar oh. as TJ did. So, and and her, 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 post, her post was better than yours. Oh, 100%. She was fired <laughs> up. Oh, yeah. She's definitely jacked. No, I mean, so we can get into the whole story, but yeah, I mean, when that... When initially, yeah. when that fish came up, and I realized what was happening, I, I was up, you know, in the, in the stand through, and I looked back and, to tell somebody to do something, you know, <laughs> it's like oh, this is it, something right? to do something. And, he uh, was captaining. Yeah, and uh, I didn't have to tell her. I, I didn't. Not a word came out of my mouth because I looked back and the rod was already in her hand. Wow. All right. Like, cool. She was on it. Yeah. And then fish came up and it ate. She was already holding it. Now, did it come up on the teaser first? We. I didn't see it. We, okay. didn't, we didn't see it. Um, Take us through what, what, what yeah, happened. Yeah, so if you want, like, you want to start with just the whole spread? What, were you, what was your spread and, yeah. and what happened? So I was pulling uh, two dredges, which they're, I believe they're like 32-inch bars or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're those uh, fish razor, uh, the Mylar strip ones with right. the ballyhoo printed right. on them. And I had a couple, you know, I, I was messing with a couple of different setups with the, you know, with the squids and all that stuff, but I started pulling those cause I could pull them faster cause mm -hmm. just less drag on them. Okay. And I wanted to be able to move, you know, move around it six, seven knots. Right. Depending right, on right. So you got your teaser stuff. game dialed in. Yeah. So pulling two of those and those are about, you know, sitting right on about the first wave. Right. You yep. know, the yep. first wave yep. behind the yep. motors there. Mm -hmm. And then I had two shorts. Uh, hook baits those were islanders so that the one was i think a pink and white and the other one was a classic blue and white with ballyhoos behind them ballyhoos horse ballyhoos all, what, all what what leaders 200 uh the the islanders are on 150 mm -hmm. and then the uh the the mold crafts on the on the riggers are on 200 because it's a bigger bigger lure yeah of course i listen yeah, well, it's yep. it's not rocket science, yep. but it you know there's some That's things how that work. work. Uh, quick, quick, this is quick. A client of mine fishing the white marlin game up there in the Maryland yeah. area. Yeah. So he 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 messages me the other day, and he says, oh, "I want to get a blue." He says, "What should I drag?" I says, "Don't change anything you're doing." I says, "Just take a mole craft and put it behind your teaser." Yeah. Which he did, and the only fish they caught that day. Was a blue marlin. <laughs> so like, I mean, it's not rocket science, but why is it so hard for people to make that commitment? I, you know, again, it. I don't think. I don't think that it's. It, well, two reasons. One, because they're soft, and we've talked about that. Um, they they can't stand the the thought of leaving the dock, not catching anything, and coming back to That's the awful. dock empty-handed. 
Okay, that's that's just not that's not in anybody's thought process. Now Shelby, she's perfectly fine with that, right? Um, she was when after I went with you guys, I was fired up about. It. I'm like, I'm gonna do this. So I figure out dredges. You know, I rigged up some bigger baits than all the dolphin stuff I had, and she's kind of looking at me. You know, I'm like, we're gonna get one. We, you know, we went. We fished five trips total. Okay. The first one or two trips. She's kind of looking at me because fishing like six, eight hour day, <laughs> trolling around, big baits, dredges, looking at Fort Lauderdale or Hollywood or whatever, and nothing, you know. There's nothing out there going to eat those. I mean, a big, big dolphin, big wahoo tuna or something behind the boat, but it, you're looking for the man. Yeah. And uh, she's kind of looking at me, and then I think it was the third trip. Again, I didn't see anything in the in the dredges or in the spread, and then uh, it was the same rigger. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't tell you if it was the same bait, but it was the same. It was my 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 right long. I see it get smacked out of the water, <laughs> big hole, and the fish piled on it, pulled drag for about five seconds or something, yeah. and then it was gone. And again, I'm not a I haven't been doing this very long, and I right. can't tell you, but my my guess is it got stung by the hook, Probably. and it decided yeah. I don't I don't want whatever that was, and it never, and we never saw it again. Right. But once she saw that, then she, she kind of like her eyes sort of opened. She's kind of like okay, there's yeah. some, you know there's a little something here. She started to believe in it a little bit. A yeah. little bit. Okay. And then uh, then obviously when she saw it behind the boat. And yeah. then got to you know pull on the thing for a while and all and all that. I mean, um, you know we we go so the, again back to the whole bite. It came up, swatted the bait, and as soon as that bait came back down in the water, the fish halfway at, like I'm standing I'm standing backwards in the tower looking at it. Right. And the fish comes halfway out of the water, <laughs> and piled on top of the bait and went under, disappeared for about. What, did a little one-hopper? Yeah, like, jumped right on it. Right. That's, that's called committing suicide. Yeah, yeah. that's the one-hopper. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went back under the water, and I don't know, second, half second later, time's kind of weird in those situations. Thing came up out of the water, like every Marlin video you've ever seen uh -huh. on YouTube or wherever you've seen it. And I can tell you, because I was there, it's 10,000 times better than video than that video right that is what we live for oh that's it's that bite it's that moment that's what causes men throughout history to spend fortunes blow marriages <laughs> blow everything that they ever worked hard for in life for that one instant high Oh yeah. I mean, it was that you're not going to get out of a dolphin, that you're not going to get out of a wahoo, that you're not going to get out of even a skyrocketing kingfish. Yep. <laughs> okay. Don't say there's such dissension. It's like, just, it's just. But I'm not that kind of soft. Okay. I'll go six trips before I get to see that. Fine. And yeah, I mean that thing. Yeah, it's completely worth it. I'm not dolphin fishing. I can tell you that. I'm not going dolphin fishing. But if you catch one, fine. I'm happy with it. I mean, that the same day that we, we all fished together, we caught two nice fish. Don't get me wrong. Someone calls me for a trip and they want to go dolphin fishing and we're going dolphin fishing. Uh, but when course. I'm going fishing, 
I'm, well, I'm going to go pull big stuff. There's yeah. been a few generations, TJ, that have taught their kids that dolphin is not bycatch. You at 30 years old, when you and Shelby have kids and you're growing up, maybe, just maybe, they'll understand that dolphin and kingfish and yeah. tuna and wahoo are bycatch. Yeah. Well, but you know, but here's here's the other here's the other thing. Okay, that's that 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 people are missing. You can still pull this this Bobby Brown, okay, and catch dolphin. In fact, it's a damn good bet that the biggest dolphin you'll catch all year will be while you're marlin fishing, because that's the way it's done everywhere else in the world. Look at all those great big giant uh, dolphin that they're catching down in Costa Rica right now. Yeah. They're not dolphin fishing out there. They're marlin fishing. They're dragging stuff like this, and they're catching great big giant dolphin. And they do that everywhere. Everywhere you go. Look at the Bahamas. Look at up north on the east coast. Uh, and they catch, they catch nice fish on a marlin spread. So you... You know, when you say you're going dolphin fishing, all that means is that you're scaling down your tackle and you're lowering your chances at catching a really nice fish, even a big dolphin, when you do that. So the funny part about all that is we were actually fishing the the Delbach uh, Dolphin Tournament right. when we caught the fish. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, told me that. My my dad's friend called you know called us up and like hey you guys want to go fish this tournament and, you know it's for for a good good cause and all that stuff and we're like sure and uh, a couple of days beforehand uh, I think my dad brought it up to me but he's like hey man do you want to just just want to pull the, the marlin spread and he goes we're in a hero or zero and I was that's like that's it that's I, the I idea like, I was like I was thinking the same thing I go we're gonna either Catch, we're going marlin fishing, and hopefully catch a big dolphin so we can wait for the tournament. But we're going to go marlin fishing. Now is now is your your dad's Tom, right? Yep. Okay, so is it now is Tom has Tom grown up fishing, or was it something that he you know? Because yeah, that's something was, an old an old timer like us would come up with. That's an idea yeah. that an old timer so, like us. Yeah, would come up with. Uh, my grandfather's family moved down here to Hollywood when he was a kid, and so my dad <laughs> was born here. Okay, and uh, my grandpa grew up Hollywood Beach, you know, like swim. And, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of money. Swim out to the beach, go get lobster and stuff for dinner. Spearfishing right. and stuff, bring it back in. So, yeah, I mean, I grew up in around water fishing. So, Tom, my dad, Tom, my grandpa, and me, Tom, which that's uh, what's the TNTJ right, for. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, grew up fishing. See, that's, 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 that's the, so he's, he's grown up with the right influence and, uh, and, 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 I don't, I don't, and he's carrying it forward. I don't know if you That's know great. this or you know this, but your dad emailed me a nice little letter about you catching that uh, marlin. And you could tell it meant a lot to him that you stepped up the game, raised the bar, mm-hmm. made, it, made it happen. That's yeah. an old school way of thinking. Yep. I couldn't imagine, you know, like watching my kid do it. So a blue marlin means a lot. Not just to you, the captain, but to the whole family. And families that fish together stay together. Families that fish together yeah. love oh, each yeah. other. And it's a big fucking deal. And I, pretty much what makes the fishing world go around. Well, and, and not only that, I mean, it's, it's something, I've said it before on other podcasts, but you did something, TJ. We both did. Okay? Because not only did we prove that it could be done here, all right, um, we did it in a generation that doesn't that that just looks at us like we've got three eyeballs. 
Yeah. But now we're proving that that's not the case. And, you know, the funny part is, is every, there's so many people that are still not stepping up their game, even when they know, like they have that experience of, of seeing a blue marlin. There were a lot, you know, in the month of June and July, the two months of June and July this year, there were a lot of blues between West Palm and Key Largo. A lot of them. And that just coincided with that mahi run. And not to, not to, not to beat that up. But there were so many boats that went out there and saw fish, but they just weren't ready for them. Right. They didn't step up their game. They weren't ready. And, you know, when guys like you and me set out to do it and we're prepared at, at, at the right time, that's when preparation meets opportunity and that's when you can score. And I've said that before. And you did that. I did that. And, you know, I, and, and, you know when something like that is done in South Florida... It raises eyebrows. Okay, and speaking of raising eyebrows, um, I'll just kind of I'll, I'll leak this uh, to our listeners. But uh, there's going to be a little bit of coverage from Marlin Magazine on this. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think there coming should be up. coming up. No, I no. There's going to be. It's coming. Norm reached out. I'm, I'm yeah. spilling the beans. Yeah. Norm reached out to Marlin Magazine. He's like, dude. He goes, you guys write about all these exotic places in the world where you can catch Boomarn and all that kind of stuff. And we're whacking them here off of Fort Lauderdale. And you guys don't write about it. In Marlin Magazine. Yeah, they responded. The right response was, you know, Norm, you got a point there. Mm -hmm. And then as they're hashing through their article and figuring out what to write, guys like you get one. And they're like, oh, yeah, no shit. This is a story. But it's funny to me how that story has been forgotten because the fish have always been there they've always been there they're always going to be there mm-hmm. but do you gonna have the fishermen to go out there and actually target them well i th- like i said i hope we've opened some eyes and and i think uh i know tj's you know definitely on board and i think there's going to be more like them so tj we're going to wrap this thing up but what's changed for you personally since you started your marlin quest um just like anything with fishing when you first start out with whatever you're trying to target it's kind of foreign i mean you got a rod you got a reel you got a boat you got your tackle or whatever um but you just you know you're trying to dial yourself in and and because you haven't got one you don't have that that confidence and uh we got one, so so now the confidence yeah. is there. We're gonna go get another one. Right. You know that's that's what it is, and uh, you know the whole the whole deal. Like I, that's cool. My dad emailed you. I didn't even know about that, but uh, he was on the boat. He was the guy leadered the fish. I never came down out of. The, I was driving the boat. Never came down out of the tower until. How jacked was he that 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 he got to do that with you? It's one of those weird things. Um, you know when we first hooked the fish and took off greyhounding. We realized, like, all right, all right, this is happening. We did it, you know, and uh, it's kind of quiet for a second, yeah. and then I started doing, you know, captaining. So, hey, you know, Shelby's got the rod. I'm gonna put the boat in a turn, go to the bow, and start going after the thing because it dumped about half half spool on a thirty. Yeah, and uh, before we even got going on it, and uh, my dad's clearing, you know, clearing the spread down and and all that, and. We just, you know, chase chase the thing down and. 
Well, TJ, you yeah. know, catching a marlin is kind of like finding a piece of gold. The longer you have it, the more valuable it gets. Yeah. So. And the more you want to get another piece. That's true. Yeah. It's like yeah. a fever. It's a sickness. Uh-huh. And it'll take but, you over. Yeah. And um, I just think it's great that you did it. I think it's great that you did it with your family. Yeah. You did it on your own boat. That's big time. Well, that's the main thing, you know, because I could have spent a little bit of cash. It would have been cheaper than the boat and all the tackle and all that other stuff. But I, I could have spent a little cash and gone over to the Bahamas or gone down to Costa Rica and, and like, get my shot at a couple. Right. And, I, you know, that's why I reached out to you guys. And I want to do it here. And I want to do it on my boat. And I want to do it. My, you know, yes. I want to put the work in. Yes. No, you do it your way, your boat, on your terms. And uh, you made it happen. Yep. You can give all the credit in the world to Norm for telling you this and taking you out. And you can give me credit and all that kind of shit. But the only person that deserves any credit is you. Because the captain is the guy that runs the ship. And you cannot catch a blue marlin without running the ship. And I yep. think we might call this episode TJ's running the ship. Yep. There you <laughs> because, go. Because basically that's what you did. Yep. Huh. Now you made it happen. Yeah. Congratulations. For sure. Oh, Thank you guys. And yeah. thanks for coming in to being on the podcast to share the information with the audience. The audience is digging the Blue Marlin thing. Are this they? Is, well, this would be like the fourth or fifth uh, podcast out of the 235 that we've uploaded that we've talked about Blue Marlin like this. And it's one of those topics that I don't care if you're catching, uh, you know, catfish in a stream somewhere. Yeah. Or you're getting black marlins off the uh, coast of uh, Australia. It intrigues people. It's a topic of conversation. And shit, Hemingway's best book ever. Yeah. You know, you, The Old Man can, in the Sea. It's a story can, about the blue marlin. And, 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 you know, let me tell you something. It's easier to catch a blue marlin in South Florida than it is to find a Michelob. <laughs> about that? Yeah. Bigger baits. A little that could be a slogan. Yeah. Pull a teaser. Yeah. Oh. Before we end the podcast, quick question. Hmm. You more of a rum guy or a whiskey guy? Oh, rum, all the way. Rum guy. Yeah. You more of a rum guy or a whiskey guy? I'll drink rum. He's a rum guy. Yeah. See, I'm more of a whiskey guy. Yeah. Well, everybody's re- perfect. No, the reason I brought that up, the reason I brought that up <laughs> is because you, this whole Pilar thing. Like, I pil- love Pilar rum. Everybody loves Pilar yeah. rum. It's a great rum. But what if you're... A whiskey drinker. You know, Hemingway was a whiskey drinker. He was not a rum drinker. He didn't He didn't drink rum. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, the reason I bring all that up is, you know, TJ brought me a bottle of scotch. Very nice. Yeah, that's class. Very nice. Yeah, that is class. Well, now the company that has Pilar has a whiskey called the Hemingway, hmm. which they sent me a bottle. That's interesting. The they sent me a bottle the other day and a hat and all that kind of thing. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you getting you got a little sponsorship thing going there? It's not a sponsorship it's thing. Not, not maybe, maybe that's not the word I'm looking for. Just a little promo deal going? No. I, I took we'll one see of the... We'll see your RTD whiskey. Of, I took one of the... All right, here's how it works. I took one of the guys <laughs> that's into that Pilar deal. Yeah. One of the investors. And he was in, like, in the first round, like way back when. He's a friend through the family. His daughter and my daughter went on a fishing trip the other day. Really? And when the daughter showed up, nice. she showed up with two hats. Nice. A Hemingway hat for Hemingway whiskey, a Pilar hat for Pilar rum. But then she didn't bring me a bottle of Pilar. They brought me a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. So while you guys are sitting around having your 
fancy drinks with your women and everything. What? <laughs> Me and the Barso will be out back polishing off a bottle of whiskey like gentlemen. Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> TJ, thanks a million yeah. for coming in and telling the story. We're all real proud of you. Yeah, man. And uh, run that dog. Run that fucking dog. I appreciate bro. you guys. <laughs> we appreciate you. All right. Till next time. That's TJ Ralph. Real guy. Run that dog. <laughs>